wherever you're listening from, we pray this message inspires you to love strong, shine bright, and live free. Hey, what I was going to do, I don't know if we can get it going, but we'll see how we go. Um, I was going to show you guys a um, couple of, just some, just some photos from the street, really, the, the ministry. I, um, a lot of you guys know that you know, the Lord has called me uh, specifically to, to equip the saints uh, in the church, and, and it's around the nation and the nations. And so we do a lot of travel. Um, traveling to churches, um, ministering, and um, look at that, oh, we've got words there now, look at that, and, um, and so I have a few clips that I hopefully will be able to get to in a moment, and to show you just some of the things that, that, that the Lord has led me to do, just so you know what comes out from this house, because sometimes it's just so easy just to sort of get caught up on the four walls of the house, and one thing I always say to people, if you really want to grow in the faith, you really need to start to have a culture of where you actually start to look at what God is doing in the world. It's really important. And with YouTube the way it is and with, with um, what you can do online, it's really, really easy to see what's happening in a service in the States or what's happening in Australia, what's happening overseas. And you see some amazing things, amazing healings. I mean, go on to Randy Clark's uh, website and you have testimonies of steel disappearing out of people's bodies in prayer. I mean, I go, oh, wow, I don't believe that. Yeah, well, you look online and see for yourself. You know, God does amazing things. Go to John Meller's website. Have a look at the amazing healings. Sometimes if you get wound up inside of your own four walls, you sometimes think that, okay, this is cool, this is great, but actually we need to see the broader picture of what God is doing as well so we can call that in here as well. Is that good? It's just uh, amazing to do. How are we going up there, guys? Any joy? No go. It has died. Oh. Hey, you won't see some photos, but just pretend that there's some really cool photos up there. And uh, they were good. But some of the things that we do in community, um, we have a number of clips of people just being prayed for on the street, people bowing their heads and just people, uh, our, our people going out, just laying hands on people and praying for people. This is complete strangers in the street. And you're with them for no more than, what, two minutes, three minutes. And then we say, man, can we pray for you? And then they're just bowing their heads. And, and it just, you know, that's not every encounter, but just about every day we go out, that sort of thing happens. Healings take place. I had a couple of clips up there as well where people start to get healed on the street. And so, and then, um, and then a few clips of traveling. We've just been up in Levin and ran the school up there. Um, we ran uh, another school in May uh, as well, a school of the prophetic and school of prophetic evangelism. We actually teach people to actually take on their prophetic inheritance because everyone in church has a prophetic voice. That's what 1 Corinthians 14.31 says, but we have to know how to use it. Hmm? Amen. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get slides up there this morning. We'll see how we go. If we don't, you'll just have to, you know, just, 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 just nod and work along with me. But I want to start with a story this morning. This, oh, look at this. Oh, my goodness. Are we, are we alive? No? Uh, we go back. Are there any photos there? No photos. Okay, we'll just see how we go. I don't think, um, no, it's not going. Sorry, mate. Not going. Okay, I'll try it again. Last time. No, still no joy, mate. Yeah, it's all good. Hey, I want to share this story with you anyway. And this story uh, actually sums up today about what I want to preach on this morning. And so it would have been about, I've, I've shared this story before. <laughs> okay. Can I, can I go here? Am I going back? Okay, so here's some photos from the street. Okay, so as you can see, just as I, I wasn't lying to you, here we are in the street. As you can see, we're at a skate park up there. Here we are just with, this guy's bowed his head and we're just, he actually was, he was actually part of the youth pastors that are standing around him. He was part of their group about four years ago. 
And God led us to him through a series of clues. We got to him, and he actually just, they got to actually sit with him and said, hey, why did you slip away? You know? And he, here he was, just starting to connect with Jesus again. Isn't that amazing? Here's some other uh, young people in the park there, which is so super cool. Uh, that top one is uh, when I was in Auckland, and that was just on the street. That was just a lady that ministered to in community. She was so touched by the word that she got that she said, man, can I get a photo <laughs> with you? I was like, yeah, totally, man. Yeah. So anyway, um, over here, I was just walking down the street one day, and there's, you can see a lady sitting up there just hunched over. She was just really struggling in severe depression. So we're just able to connect with her. It's just, it's just randomness, stuff just randomly happens around you when you open your heart to Jesus uh, to do this stuff. Here's a guy who lived in a tent under a tree. We just found him one day and got to spend some time with him. So we do a little bit of work with the homeless community as well. As you can see up top there, um, praying with a, a guy on the park bench. He was really struggling, so we just got to spend some time with him. Often we'll buy food for people. Over on the side here, you can see me sitting in a group. That was at Levin, where we did the School of Prophetic Evangelism. So we actually were up there training and equipping. And this one here, this slide was from Impact Church. It's not everyone that was at the course, but we did a, just, it was about a month ago, I just finished a six-week course with Impact Church on moving in the prophetic. And so that's just some of the stuff that's happening. And it just lets you know um, what, you know, when God sends me out from this house, that I go with, with, with sent by your guys' love, basically, and to make these changes in community, which is awesome. Uh, we've locked up again, guys. Uh, just the next slide. Cool, that's good. Nothing to look at anyway. Hey, look. <laughs> I'll share the story because it really sets up what I want to preach on this morning. It was about, I shared the story before about something that happened a couple of years ago. And um, I was um, just finished a, a prophetic evangelism outing in community. And we had about 10 minutes left of our time. And so I said to the, um, the guys that were with me, I said, hey, look, uh, should we just do one more encounter? Should we just do one more? And uh, they went, yeah, sure. And so we were at Victory Park, and we noticed there was about 15 or 20 young people that had just come out of a course or something, I think, and they were all congregating over there. I said, let's go over there and just see what happens. So we went over there, and when we got over there, um, I just didn't really feel like I really wanted to talk to 20 people. So we said, let's just let's talk to someone on the end of the group. So we, we sort of shimmied over to someone, and we just sort of said, hey. How are you going? And we just do what we do. We have some ways that we connect with people. And, um, and from the back of this group, this random guy just stood up at the back of the like right at the back. And he goes, get out. None of us want you here. And like just, and like everyone stopped and went, and like he, at that moment, he was like surprised at what he had said, right? Totally surprised at what he had said. It's totally a spiritual thing. I got angry at him a bit and I said, we're not here for you. You be silent. And I carry anyway. <laughs> just, just, what, just what you do. This is what you do when the enemy starts to speak. Anyway, so um, I just carried ministering to this person. But to be honest, you know, in front of 20 people, I had my team there, I, I was feeling a bit flat. You know, we, we, we had this encounter. It was okay. It was cool. We did that. We went home. I sort of apologized to Tim. said, look, I'm sorry about that, guys. You know, I'm sorry it didn't go quite the way we planned. They were cool. And... Um, and this happened right on the back of a time where I was going through a massive, massive challenges in my workplace. Huge challenges. And, and the street was a place I escape into Jesus with. You know, some people escape into Jesus in their Bibles, some in prayer, some in music, some whatever. Me, it's out in community ministering. That's how I escape into Jesus when I allow him to flow through me in that way. But here, here I was wanting to experience Jesus, and here I was actually just taking another hit. Do you know? 
And so I left the park and I started to rationalize in my head. As I, I think it's in Psalm 94, it says um, that rational thoughts of men are futile, right? <laughs> well, I was rationalizing right now. And so I started to rationalize that I've been in that park too much lately. I've had a couple of things happen. I probably need to ease back. And so I, I went home that night. I went to bed that night. It was on my head. I woke up in the morning, still a bit flat. And I hop in my car on the way to work, thinking, okay, I've got a day ahead of me now. And I sat in my car, and the scripture came to me, Isaiah 51, create in me a clean, new, clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Hmm? That was land on my spirit. And so I just spoke it out in my car. I said, Lord, give me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I just prayed in my car. And in a, in a, within a few seconds, I just felt better. And then you know what I thought? I thought, I'm going to go back to that part. I'm going to stand on the very same spot where I took that hit because I just felt that I had to do that, right? So I drove to the park. It was very close to where I lived, so we, I, I, and I stood. And I went and stood right at the pole where that happened. And when I got there, I noticed a woman sitting over there. And she was only probably about 23, 24. And I thought, she looks like a Christian. I had no clue why. So I went over to her. And I said, hey, and I told her what I was doing. And it turns out she wasn't a Christian. But I said, have you ever thought about asking Jesus into your heart? And she said, well, actually, I have. And so I told her about Jesus and what he's done for me. And I said, you can ask Jesus into your heart today. And I said, would you like to do that? And she said, I would. And on that park bench, she gave her life to Jesus. You know, I've often found in life, when you are about to reach your breakthrough, there is often a challenge that comes at that moment. Hmm? And you feel the pressure of that thing. Here's a scripture I want to uh, preach from this morning. James 1.4. You can turn to it if you want. It says this. Don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. If you embrace them, your faith will blossom under this pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line, mature, complete, and wanting nothing. You know, when I look back over my life, it was not the successful times of my life that changed me. It wasn't the praise for a message well-spoken that developed me, or a pat on the back for a job. Well, you can't actually praise me for a good message this morning, by the way. Is it? <laughs> or the pat on the back for a job well done that brought a shift in my life. It wasn't those things. It was a time where I felt crushed by the pressure of something that happened to me. Maybe I failed at something. Maybe something fell down in my life. Maybe I lost something absolutely precious to me. Or a time of endurance that exceeded my own strength. And it was at these times I had to look to him because I just didn't have it in me. And this scripture would always come to mind in those times. Alistair, or put your name in there. You are from God, little child. You have overcome that stuff because greater is he that is in you than is he that is in the world. But I want to tell you, friends, that under pressure sometimes, the balance can go out in our life. Greater is he. Under pressure, sometimes it feels like greater is the world, Right? No, he's the greater measure. And so today I'm preaching this message here. And 
I feel that God wants to turn your pressure into promise today. I mean, should we just bow and get some presence on this? You know, if you're on the verge of pressure this morning, then you are on the precipice of a promise. I'm going to say it again. If you feel that you are on the verge of pressure this morning, then you are on the precipice of a promise. And so I release over you now the breaker anointing over you now to see a breakthrough, that your promise will come, to see a breakthrough of the light of the new day, to see a breakthrough. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and shift things in lives this morning, that people will leave here more equipped than when they came in. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Is that good? Hey, has anyone seen the Lion King movie, the new one? Have you? Is it good? Is it really good? Okay, we might have to go see that. But I've seen the old Lion King movie. And I know it's still good. I'm not up with the new Lion King movie, but there's like, there's the dad. He's like Mufasa or something. Is that right? And there's like Simba, the little cub thing. Simba. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got Scar. Obviously with a name like Scar, he's going to be the evil one, right? You know, isn't it funny? The evil one's never called Petal or, uh, you know, anyway. So he's Scar, you know, so he's trying to steal the kingship. And eventually I think as the story goes, he ends up creating this whole thing where he kills Mufasa. Yeah, sorry if I've ruined the story for you, by the way, if you're going to see the movie. And, um, and so Simba just runs off, you know, he just runs off. But he doesn't run off to nothing. He runs off to, he meets, who is it, Pumba and Timon? Mm, yeah, uh, Timon, oh, sorry, I got my pronoun, what's that again? Timon, yeah. And they sing that song, what was it? Akuna Matata. <laughs> Which basically means whatever, whatever. So in other words, he runs away to nothing. He runs away to just escape. He runs away. And I want to, and one thing I found as I go through churches and as I go, that I meet people on the street, you know, I meet a lot of people on the street who used to go to church. I've seen too many people that say, sometimes at one point in their life I was all about him, but then something happened and they went away. It was probably about three years ago I met a boyfriend and girlfriend on a park bench, on the very same bench that that girl asked her to give Jesus her heart. The same park bench, I met two people. They came to our church. Uh, they got married here. And they received Jesus here. And then um, it was this last year I found out that um, they had uh, left the church. They had separated. And I met, saw a Facebook post where he was now, it was all drugs and alcohol was his thing. And I actually contacted him. I said, hey, what's going on? What's going on? What happened? Because I find there is a, always a pressure time that comes, and it actually creates a crossroads in our life, a crossroads. And at the crossroads, you can do one of two things. You can either run to Jesus, or you can run from Jesus. And so today I want to share three points on how to turn your pressure into promise, because I want you running to Jesus. Hmm? So the first point I have here in turning your pressure into promise is this. Under pressure, people lose their way when they lose their why. They lose their way when they lose their why. I can remember a speaker came here a number of years ago. He's a guy called Matt Stott, and he's a, a national speaker. And he, um, he does a lot with youth in the nation. I'm not sure what he's doing right now, but at that time, that's what he was doing. And he said, one day, he said, I was in town, and I met this lady. 15 years, I had not seen her. 
And she was like, Matt, what are you doing? He goes, oh, man, I'm in church. I'm, I'm running youth. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. What are you doing? She says, I'm in business now. But she says, he goes, oh, you go to church? He goes, she goes, oh, no. She goes, that was just a phase of my life when I was a youth. She said, but I'm, I'm, I'm out of that phase. I'm doing this. And she goes, why are you still believing that stuff? And he said that question haunted him for the next six months. Why? Why are you here? And when he told me that story, it sort of haunted me a bit too. I was thinking, that's a really good question. Why? I'm going to tell you, friends, when you lose your why, you lose your way, and you end up going back to where you were before. Here's a scripture. I want to highlight this. A very strong picture of exactly this thing happening. It's in Matthew 26. That's Peter. And said, Jesus told them, this is the disciples sitting around, this very night, you all, everyone say all, will fall away from me on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the sheep and the sheep, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, <laughs> Jesus, even if all of these guys fall away on account of you, I never will. I love this guy. He's so zealous, right? Anyway, but Jesus corrected him. He says, actually, this very night before the rooster crows three times, you'll disown me three times. And then Peter declared, no, 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 Jesus, let me correct you. Even if I die, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all of the other disciples said the same thing. You know, it's easy to be, have a strong why when you feel that you have the strength of Jesus on you. Jesus is there, everything's good, maybe there's some challenge, but you know it's in your hand. But then Jesus got arrested. He was marched before the religious leaders and the, and the, and the, and the political leaders. And Peter witnesses this pressure on Jesus. He then has the pressure come on him where people say, hey, weren't you? Weren't you with him? Oh, no. He's feeling the pressure now. He knew that if he said yes, he didn't know what he was saying, I don't think. You see, I, I want to tell you something. He then goes on to deny Jesus. And I want to tell you that I think his zealous heart was real for Jesus. I really do. I think it was real. But I don't think that Peter realized that the zealous heart was actually conditional. He was zealous, yes, but it was attached to conditions. I believe Peter was ready to die for Jesus, but Peter wasn't ready for his heart to see Jesus die for him. I mean, he was zealous. He cut off a man's ear in the garden. He was willing to fight. He was definitely willing to die. But to see his leader taken down, he was struggling. And we know enough to know this scripture that Jesus wasn't being taken down because Colossians 2.15 says, having disarmed the powers, you must say disarmed. Disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing on the cross. You know, but Peter didn't know that yet. He hadn't got into his life. Jesus had told them, but they just didn't really take it in. And I want to tell you, friends, if you feel like there's a part of your life right now that feels like it's falling apart, you read that scripture and you look at that story where Jesus was around that fire when he denied Jesus. Things weren't falling apart. They were actually falling together, weren't they? Hmm? Weren't they falling together? Isn't it rather uncanny that when something is falling apart in life, isn't it amazing that it actually looks like 
Falling apart actually is God's way of making everything fall together. Someone needed to hear that today. You know, we lose our why when we get blindsided by an area of life that we didn't expect was going to happen to us. And we then start to think, Jesus, this should not have happened on your watch. We are blindsided. And in this place, we lose heart, we lose our why, and we fall into unbelief. So how do we combat that? Because Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Take heart of overcome the world. Because we can't know every life situation. We can't plan for every contingency. Jesus said this, those who abide in me will walk as I walked. How did he walk? Well, when, the way he walks towards you is this. Nothing can separate from love of God. And when you receive Jesus in your life, did you know there is no conditions from him? When you've received Jesus, there's no conditions. It's not like now you've got to enter into performance. Yep, you've been saved. Now I've got you to zero. You better be a good boy and good girl from this point on, otherwise you're going to lose that thing. No. There is no conditions attached. Yes, we don't want to walk in sin. I get it. Or, yes, we need to pull on the new man. There's, there's things that we need to do. But there is no conditions. If you're going to walk the way Jesus walked, we also need to remove the conditions around us loving him. He's removed the conditions. All as we do is receive Jesus. Okay? Conditions removed. But somewhere in our life, we put conditions around us loving Jesus. I will love you, but... The fine print. The devil is in the detail. To be like Christ and Christ in our life, we must love him the way he loves us without conditions attached. That's what gives you a strong why. Because your default mood at that point is at this point, no matter what comes to me, I will continue to run to him. Even when stuff is just so out, just I just have no grid for it. I just have to go to you. Peter said it. Where will, where will I go if not to you? Where? Back to the world? Into my corner of my room? Where? Hmm. When you have a strong why, you stay where you're called and you don't lose your way. Hmm? I think I've spoken enough on that point. Second point I've got here this morning around allowing God to take you from pressure into promise is don't take the presence of pressure in your life as the absence of God. Mm. That's a big one for many. It's been a big one for me too, you know. Health pressure, financial pressure, emotional pressure, secret pressure. You may have caught up this morning and prettied yourself up and put on your lipstick and people go, isn't she lovely? Isn't she pretty? Isn't he a nice looking guy or whatever? But, in, but people didn't know that you also had to put on a smile this morning. You might be facing a storm. In a natural storm, people give you an umbrella. Dude, you're looking cold. Put, put this blanket around you. But in a secret storm that you're struggling with, 
You might have a nice house, but I don't know, the bank might be about to foreclose on it. People might look at your life and go, oh, they've got a nice brand new car, they're doing well, but you can't even afford to put tires on it. Secret storms, child gone off the rails. No one knows. And in this place, God can feel absent to us. Job struggled with this. And Job 23 said, but if I go to the east, he is not there. He's talking about finding God. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he's at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. He's absent, Job was saying. He's absent to me. Doesn't say, God wasn't absent. You read the book. But to Job, he's absent And in the presence of pressure, we can feel that God is absent, but nothing can be further from the truth because his word says, I will never, what? Leave you, nor will I forsake you. I want to tell you, friends, you cannot see in a storm. That's why he said you walk by faith, not by sight. Sight is physical vision, but faith is spiritual vision. We need the promises of God to be reminded of them. When we feel the absence of God, you need the presence of his promises in your life. Amen? I don't know why that slide came up there. Okay, they're all jumbled up now. Romans 10.7 was the next one. So you're just going to have to jump through. We'll see how we go. But Romans 10.17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want your faith restored. Get into your word. Start to hear the voice of God. You want your faith restored? Start to get prophetic voice in your life. Next time there is a prophetic word coming, you get up and you get it. You want to have the word of God in your life, experiencing through others and in relationship. Isn't it amazing when you're going through your struggle, how you isolate yourself? You know, in Proverbs it says that those who isolate themselves rage against all wise counsel. So we need to have the faith of God restored in us. And this is how we keep going back to him. Oh, here we go. Look at that. Do not copy. Oh, no, that's not it either, bro. That's another one. It's Romans 10. You know, I found one thing that I do. Did you know there's one thing that I do? I have a ministry, right? Now, did you know that you all have a ministry? You'll have one. In Christ, you'll have a ministry. You may not all have a web page. Okay? You may not all be on a banner in a church thing saying, you know, um, hey, uh, uh, John's going to be on this week, or Kim's going to, you know. No. You all have a ministry. And your arena is where God has called you to. That is your ministry field. But there is one thing that people that have a ministry do that people who just turn up to on church on Sunday and then forget about God for the rest of the week, do different. There's one thing. There's one thing that I do to have a ministry, and it's the one thing that every minister does. And if you don't do this thing, you will struggle to find your ministry. I'm not going to tell you what that is, so, you know, you can... I'll tell you. One thing. I do it repeatedly. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says this, and this helps you to realize that God isn't absent when you start to learn this. I teach it when I teach at the school. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. 
You know, many read that scripture like this. I'm having a bad day today. God is not limited by your bad day, but you can let your bad day limit the work of God through you. Amen? So this is how people read that scripture, acknowledging God. Okay, I'm having a bad day. I'm having a bad day. Okay, I'm going to take a break. I'm stepping outside my workplace. I'm stepping outside my home. The kids are screaming. Shut the door. Boom. You know, throw some lollies at them. Get over there. Shut the door. Boom. And, um, and you just go, God, I just acknowledge you right now. Oh, man, I just need you. Oh, man. And I just thank you. You're so good. And just pray for my day and just, just make my path straight and everything like that. It's so good. You're wonderful. You take that peace and then you go back to your day. The problem That's not wrong to do, by the way. It's part of that, but it's definitely not all of it. Because if that's what acknowledging God was, there's no direction in that. And the word says that he will make your path straight. You got no path straightening given to you at all to follow at that point. You see, acknowledging God is this. Acknowledging God is partly that, but mostly this. Right now, God, I acknowledge that you are here. Be in charge. I I just need you in my life. And then you start to look around where you feel God is moving. I'll give you an example. When I'm at work, I practice acknowledging God. So I'll just be praying to the Lord, and I'll give you a a prime example, an event that happened um, where we had a major problem in our workplace. We had a, a, a new product that they were looking at releasing, and it wasn't working. God gave me one word, I prayed, what was actually a nutraceutical product and, the, and a chemical reaction was causing it to fail. And so I got this word protein. So I was acknowledging God. I acknowledged him. I said, okay, I got the word protein. I went to my boss and I said, could it be reacting with protein? They said, no, the scientists have checked that, blah, blah, blah. I knew what the voice of God was like. So I went further and I found an article from 1951 about a specific reaction of protein that they hadn't tested for. Isn't that amazing? acknowledging God. And so I went back and the project got to go on from that point. And I think many Christians don't know how to acknowledge God in their life, in their workplaces, at home, wherever they are. Acknowledging God is where you actually start to live in response to you feel, what you feel you need to be doing right now. And if you do not acknowledge God and you just end up going back to the usual coping mechanisms, you will cut off what God is doing, because he says, when you do that, he will make your path straight. If you don't do that, how can you straighten it? If you just cut off and say, thank you, God, just that's great, and walk off, how can you move forward? We must practice acknowledging God. If you're a worship leader, you'll feel to write a song. If you're a business owner, you'll feel to do something in your business you feel God is leading to. If you're a parent, you'll feel to do something with your children. If you are struggling in your job, you might feel called to study. Is this making sense? This is acknowledging God. And when you start to acknowledge him, all of a sudden, he doesn't feel absent to you anymore. You realize that he's actually speaking to you the whole time. And this way of living is probably the single biggest difference between someone who operates in their ministry and someone who just attends church and then forgets God on Monday is in how you acknowledge God. I'm nearly done. Maybe the music team could come up. You know, God is not limited by your bad day, but you can let your bad day limit the work of God through you. That first story I shared today about the girl on the, on the, on the park bench All that happened by acknowledging God. That was it. All I did was stand by a lamppost because I felt that's what I was supposed to do. 
Sometimes I just get in my car and feel to drive here or there because I like to practice acknowledging God. It's how I do it. I don't usually go to work the same way each day. I don't come to church because it's part of my work now, the same way each day. I go where I feel to go because I'm practicing acknowledging God. And the third and final point that I can't put up there because things aren't working too well. Don't forget this one. This is important. God often answers prayer according to your calling. You know how sometimes you feel like you've been praying, but the heavens are but brass? I've been praying for this for ages. Blah, 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 blah. You know. Not a lot of Christians realize that God actually answers prayer much of the time according to your calling. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not copy the behavior or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, if you're called to be a musician, I guarantee you, you'll get answers from God in the music. Am I right, musicians? Okay. If you're called to be a school teacher, I'm not saying you have a job as a school teacher. If you're called to be a school teacher, you will hear from God in that arena. Hmm? But if you are like Gideon in a wine press making bread, doing the wrong thing in the wrong place, you feel like you don't hear God. Because one of the things he does is he remains a little bit more silent where you're in the wrong place, but he speaks to you when you're getting close to your right place. Does this make sense? He answers a lot of prayer according to your calling. But like Gideon, the angel of the Lord stood over top and said, Arise, mighty warrior. You know, God will come and get you if you're in the wrong place. When you're in pressure, he wants to bring you to your promises. And some of the keys I've given you this morning, I hope they help you. I hope there's something from that that has helped you this morning. Maybe you could just stand up this morning. We're going to have communion this morning. You know, I was struggling. Even though I was working in ministry, doing what I feel God has called me to do, I still have time to struggle, just like everyone else. Times of pressure. And I remember recently I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm struggling in this and I'm struggling in that. Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Not everything works 100% for me at all times. <laughs> and I said, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? Am, am, I, am I traveling around doing this stuff? Is this, is this exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? I've got prophetic words about doing what I'm doing. I, I feel called to it. But am I doing the right thing? The Lord just simply says to me this. He said, Alistair, you are who I say you are and what I have you to do. I just released that over you today. You are who God says you are. So get into his Bible and what he has you do. That's why I said whatever is in your hand leads to your, uh, whatever you find to do, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Because what I have you do is who you are. And what is in your hand will eventually lead to your heart. So if you're not in the right place right now and you feel it, do it with all thy might and God will create a door in it. The father says, I, I want to see breakthrough over my children. Maybe just turn the lights down. We're going to have a time of communion. James 1 says, do not run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. If you endure them, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line, mature, complete, and wanting nothing. 
I found that the joy part is the anticipation of what he will do that you did not know that he could do. And I find if you've got pressure on you, it is an incredibly great fuel to drive you forward to the promise. Don't get wound up in the pressure. Don't get wound up in it. Use it as fuel so that God can take you through into your place of promise this morning. And I feel there's someone here who's still struggling with a big thing. It's like they're saying, yeah, this is good, but there's still this. You know, Romans 8.28 says, he'll work all things together for the good of God. If you haven't reached a place where you can find Jesus yet, it's just that he hasn't finished working all things together yet, okay? You might be in the middle. So I'm just going to open up the floor now. I'm just going to, the worship team's just going to, play and sing quietly in the background and I'm just going to um, get Peter to come up forward and just grab communion just grab some juice and some bread and then maybe just go back to your chair just maybe just start coming up now and grabbing that I'm just going to go off the mic for a second in a moment but I'm also going to open up the, 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 the floor uh, for prayer if people are needing prayer this morning we will see some breakthrough released over their life, then the ministry team will be here. But just spend some time between you and Jesus right now. If you have, one thing I actually felt on my heart when I was up here this morning was the word forgive. I actually felt like um, some people needed to forgive Jesus. And that sounds weird, but they had held something, some such great tension in their life. They actually had to say it, and it was actually really forgiving ourselves. someone else here I really felt was um, struggling to understand the spiritual journey. And as you take communion this morning, I feel like you're just to let go. Let go. Let go and let God. Don't battle with an answer, but just let go and let His presence rest on you this morning. So I'm just going to um, put the mic down for a few minutes. I might pick it back up in a moment. But let's just spend the next uh, two or three minutes in communion time and just getting close with Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more information about Aspire Church, find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Or check out our website, aspirechurch.org.nz. Love to see you on Sundays, 10 a.m., 101 Hardy Street, Wilson.